podcast that connects people through creativity. I'm your host, Danny Vanderbrook, a UK-based fiction writer and freelance journalist. I'm excited to be here and share the many enthusiastic voices of the international art scene. Each week, we deal with a philosophical question related to the arts and explore the thoughts of our guests in relation to their own craft. Hi everyone, welcome to Heart in Art. Today we are talking all things electronic music, so EDM versus the underground. We're going to think about how the scene has changed from way back in the 80s up until now. So I am welcoming as a guest today Model Citizen. He's an Asia-based DJ and producer. He's played alongside the world's top DJs and producers, including Sasha, Sven Vaith, Anand Kataneo, Tim Mason, Chris Lake, Model Citizen, has played Japan's top clubs, including Womb, Agaha, Club Asia, Velours, Warehouse, and countless other live houses and small clubs. He's delighted audiences around the world in places like Thailand, Canada, and Austria, and of course, Ibiza. Welcome. Great to have you here. Hello, Danny. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. Oh, it's awesome. I've wanted a DJ on the show for ages. I've always been into dance music in a, in a big way. And you're the first person that we've had on here that's a DJ and producer. So pretty happy about that. Fantastic. Well, uh, I'm a big fan of your show. I love what you're doing. And uh, it's a great honor to be here. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Thank you. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. How did you get into producing and, and dance music? I have always been into music, uh, probably like everyone. I started listening to music, I guess, when I was around eight, you know, eight to 10, I was listening to tape cassettes. I think the first cassette I bought was, this is, I mean, (laughs) I guess this is kind of showing my age when I talk about (laughs) tape cassettes, ACDC, Back in Black. My mom quickly uh, confiscated it from me, uh, that from me when she heard the, the lyrics. (laughs) <laughs> I, so they would pollute your little mind <laughs> yeah she didn't mind the track dirty deeds but then when big balls came on she was like nope not suitable for a 10 year old but it was too late i had already heard the song i was hoping yeah that's it i bought a guitar when i was 14 and started uh just kind of self-taught um just playing um you know the, the pink floyds and the, the led zeppelins uh the neil Young's. oh so that's where the prog came in right I guess so, yeah. Prague at heart forever. And uh, I got in a band. My first band in high school was called Purple Zig. It was a, a parallel abomination of, of Pink Floyd. We, we desperately wanted to be Pink Floyd. And we, we, we wrote original music. We wrote some uh, original content, and um, that was a lot of fun. We did a couple of live performances. I remember my first live performance uh, was at, actually in the auditorium in front of the entire student body. And I was about two minutes into the first song, and I could tell that there were some strange look, looks on the faces of the audience. And then my friend, who was in the first row, walked up on the stage, walked over to my amplifier, and actually turned the amplifier on. And then this, this guitar started blaring out at way too loud, way up over the mix. It was a complete disaster. But, you know, it, it got better after that, for sure. And then when I was uh, in university, I formed a cover band. We were, uh, we were called On the Bus. The 90s grunge uh, hits, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. We did some uh, classic rock as well. That was a lot of fun. We, we were a bar band. We got paid. You know, we played on Saturday night. People got really drunk at our shows. We weren't the most talented band in, in, uh, in yeah. town, but we were probably the most fun. People ended up getting the most drunk at our shows, which was kind of like a badge of honor. <laughs> 
90s grunge. There's these um these two young kids who have a show on YouTube and they they basically record their reactions to like 90s music. And the last one that I watched was them watching Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. And this kid was just loving it. Couldn't believe that this had passed him by. And he was just like, it was I, a joy I love that. I've seen a few of those. There's these two um, African-American gentlemen, and they do a similar thing. And they were listening to Tools Anima. And it was the same. They were just like, wow, mind's blown. So, <laughs> yeah. So then when I was um, traveling around Europe, I, I visited England, actually, in 96. I visited my friend, yeah. and she was uh, going to university in Lancaster. And oh, okay. Her boyfriend was a DJ and they were throwing parties. This is way back in, in sort of mid, uh, late 90s. And uh, they, they took me to a rave in Blackpool. And um, it was amazing. You know, everyone was dressed up and there were, you know, everyone had their, their faces painted and it was just this incredible atmosphere. And, and this, this kind of like a circle, a circus environment. I'd never really experienced anything like it. And the music that they were playing, it was like this like sort of like mid nineties acid techno. It was just so good. And I was just hooked right from the beginning. And that was it. That was it. Like just from right from the start, I, I loved it. And um, that was kind of my first great experience. I moved to Vancouver uh, in 98. I immediately jumped right in, started going to outdoor rave parties uh, in the mountains of British Columbia. Uh, oh, doing wow. all sorts of crazy things. Yeah, like we, you know, we'd be driving in the mountains for an hour and we'd come into this valley just in the middle of nowhere and there'd be these lasers and, and this music coming out of the, the sound system. It was like, it was like, oh my gosh, it like the aliens have landed. It takes me back actually. Just that, you know, that feel. I remember as a kid kind of like lying in my bed at night when I was supposed to be asleep with my Sony Walkman on, listening to the radio. And that was the first time that I heard techno and trance music and just being like, what is this? Do you remember the <laughs> really? song or the artist or...? No, I don't. Okay. I wish that I did. I wish that I did. Yeah, I thought, oh, I, I need to find out more about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember the moment. <laughs> Those are the best. So I moved to Japan in uh, 2003. I sold all my stuff in Vancouver. I sold my car. I sold all of my worldly belongings. And I packed up everything into two suitcases and uh, moved to Tokyo. And because I didn't have my guitars, um, I had a laptop and I started making music on a crappy PC using um, Sony's uh, loop-based program called Acid. And then I bought a Mac mm -hmm. in uh, 2006, yeah. started making music on my Mac using Ableton, and then I started DJing. I started throwing small parties with a DJ friend of mine named Will I Am in places like Nakamegado and Ebisu. And then around 2010, I teamed up with Vivid, uh, a DJ and producer based in Tokyo, and we started producing bigger parties. Um, and within like a, a year of that, I was you know, playing main stage with Club Asia and playing Bloom and Kageha and Warehouse and all these things. What I like about your story as well is, um, you know, one of the criticisms that, that often people who aren't into electronic music level at DJs and producers is they're not real musicians, you know, but so many people that you speak to have either played other instruments as well or started off as like a rock musician or whatever and then transferred over. Yeah, well, it's funny because uh, I never really considered myself a great musician, so to speak, or even that great of a yeah. guitar player, but you're right. A lot of us have come from, you know, that kind of background where, like, most DJs, you know, didn't start as DJs. They were, you know, they played piano or they played guitar or they played drums or something like this, and, 
and kind of, um, it, you know, it, it seems like most of us producers and DJs have, have kind of like moved into the DJ or production scene from, you know, some sort of strange or obscure musical background. So are there certain producers that you have a lot of respect for and tracks that you always include in your set? Well, lately it's a lot of the new, you know, the, the new techno heroes, the new techno gods. I, I listen to, I'm influenced by uh, people like Adam Beyer, Leighton Giordani, Bart Skills, Deformation, but, you know, also the, the classics as well, the, the Daft Punks, the Dead Mouses, uh, Nine Inch Nails, I'm a huge fan. I love hip-hop as well. You know, we mentioned rock, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Um, but like what I'm playing in my sets, uh, there's this guy named Stan Kola, for example, who's this progressive techno artist who I love. I've been playing him a lot in, my, in uh, some of my recent sets. I mean, that's, that's one thing I love about the scene is evolving. The sounds are, are constantly progressing. Um, the production quality is just getting better and better. And, you know, if you, if you put your favorite artists uh, into Spotify, for example, you know, every week you get all these amazing... It's a scene that is still... You know, it's still happening, it's still evolving, it's very exciting. And that's kind of what drew me to it in the first place. And I find the music now as, as, as quality uh, and as fresh uh, as it's ever been. I, I have other influences, of course, like yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by writers and artists, and I guess we can draw from all sorts of different areas of our, our lives in terms of, of art, not just, not just music. Oh, exactly. You know, it's funny, I remember when I first met you and we started to chat about like, electronic music and one of the first people you said was Adam Byron. I was like, no way, because I remember when I used to have residencies in Newcastle and, and I had so many of his records, actual like, LPs, and I would just go into the record shop and the guy would have like the latest ones he produced lined up for me, waiting. Love it. That is amazing. <laughs> what a great story. I mean, yeah, that Adam yeah. Byron is a legend i think he's swedish and he's been around a long time but he's really kind of evolved into like this this new sort of like techno very much like a very minimal techno when i first yeah. started listening to him but um yeah it's very different now than from back then yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah. the sound have evolved tremendously let's have a look at this this whole idea of underground and edm then because it's like it's one of these I don't know if it's a real division, but there are certainly people who really do not want to be associated with EDM, electronic dance music, who would say that they're more aligned with underground dance music. So what's, sure. what, why do you think uh, that this particular style of music was traditionally underground? I think electronic music has always kind of in its essence been counterculture. Uh, has been sort of against the, the popular norm, the commercial side of music. Back in like in the 90s when we were going to, to parties, literally they were underground. You know, they were in basements and in warehouses, and stuff, which is probably where the term came from. You know, the, the, the term electronic dance music wasn't necessarily uh, the brand that it's considered today. Back when in, in the 90s and the 2000s, electronic dance music encompassed all music, you know, techno, house, mm. minimal, yep. drum and bass, that all of this, these, these genres. Um, but I think, you know, it, 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 it's a great question. I think electronic music in so many ways is a critique on the times. And you know, just as much as it is a modern day perception and reflection of reality, um, you know, and, and everything that we're going through today, it's just, it's just un unprecedented what's happening in the world today with, with uh, the situation. 
And yeah. I think, you know, people, <laughs> music lovers, young people especially, you know, the, the millennials and the Gen, the Gen Ys are subjected to so many uh, opinions and, and ideas and, and, and just getting bombarded with information that, you know, they're, they're, they're striving for something, for, for something different, for a purpose. And I think dance music um, can kind of stir the imagination in that way and, and offer kind of that, that alternative. And, and, and I try to express that in my music and my DJ sets, and, you know, with the goal of, of creating something that is a reflection uh, of reality, but also, um, you know, although it might have a little bit of visceral bite to it, also, you know, it's still going to be fun and, and allow people to, you know, party and enjoy themselves. Yeah, that's it. Yours, um, I mean, Model Citizen is, is based in this, this kind of construct called Ultra World, right? Um, can you just talk to us a little bit more about that and, and kind of the idea behind that? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I mean, we're in the 21st century right now, and it really is kind of a new world. And, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of um, uh, ideas, interpretations, and opinions, and I feel like, Again, especially the younger generation, they're, they're kind of being driven to um, just an ideal of, of, of pessimism and, and, and cynicism. And, you know, with, 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 with the way that the, the, the new branded EDM movement was, was heading and how commercial uh, that was, I think people wanted something a little bit more. I think party people, music lovers in general, were becoming disillusioned. And, um, you know, where the, where the rave culture of the 90s brought, and, and the 2000s brought that, that groovy vibe, I think today's underground music scene is a little bit more, you know, uh, bittersweet. And it kind of, again, it reflects that bewilderment and runs to, uh, you know, it's pervasive for all social aspects of life. I think Ultra World is, is very much an interpretation. Well, I, I try to make it an interpretation and a reflection yeah. of, of that, um, again, in, with, with a bit of a, a positive spin. Um, and you know, um, with, with perhaps some ideal hope as well. I try to create that journey, you know, where we're going. You know, there's dark times, but there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We all need hope, definitely. We do. We do. <laughs> Particularly in these times. So I think you know, if art can't give us hope, then you know what can really? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, art, exactly. Art is, art is hope. You know, just to go back to this idea of, um, you know, commercialization of music. And I mean, I actually hate asking this question because I know some people who are hardcore underground music fans will just be like, oh, what is it? What do you think that makes DJs like Sven Bate or Sasha so different from the likes of like Calvin Harris or David Guetta? Well... I think it's interesting because David Guetta, when he first started DJing, was a house DJ in Ibiza. And you listen to some of his older sets, and they're actually very, you know, underground house. But, yeah. you know, the, 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 I guess what got rebranded um, into the EDM scene of, of the 2010s, it was just so insanely um, commercial and, you know, quote-unquote profitable that uh, a lot of artists, you know, jumped in because there was a lot of money to be Steve Aoki is a really great example of that. You know, a guy who just, yeah. just he does really well, just making a lot of money, you know, touring around, playing uh, the Ultra Festival. 
I think, and, and that's great, and, and that's, you know, that, I think that a lot of that was propelled by um, the American media finally catching on to, um, you know, electronic dance music in general, um, but trying to kind of like rebrand it into this, you know, very sort of commercial hobby thing that, that they could put in a box and then play on a radio and, 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 and repackage and, and, and sell to you, that became a coke, so to speak. You know, you can go to go to a show and get caked and ride an inflatable and, and have a great time. Um, but <laughs> you know, the artists that you mentioned, you know, the Sashas and, and the um, the Vitalics. Uh, I'd like to hope that the Model Citizen is is you know, slightly in that category. You know, it, it's interesting. I've definitely noticed since around two thousand and I guess fifteen, sixteen. Um, the, the, the music has moved back toward, you know, really great um, sounding techno. You know, there's a lot of artists emerging and who have emerged, um, you know, in the last three to five years. And, you know, I mean, up until recently, there were these really amazing festivals that happened in Europe with just tens of thousands of people, and the music was techno. House, you know. I think everything goes in cycles. I think you know the the, the kind of the, the quote unquote EDM scene was a limited thing, and I think now we're seeing a, a more kind of return to to what we had in the nineties and, and 2000s but with you know again a more sort of contemporary, upscale, sophisticated sound and approach and idea. Yeah, I think you know that's a good point that you make about commercialization shelf life in that, you know, when something is cookie cutter and, you know, does appeal to, um, has a broad appeal in that way or is fashionable, it's, it's only going to last so long. So, you know, that that's kind of a, a nice thing to come back to, you know, the, the more, let's like say, counterculture aspects of, of dance. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when I think about dance, I always think, you know, that first that first experience is like, oh, it's, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be awake. I'm listening to my music. Like, it's kind of a naughty thing to do. And then, you know, fast forward to underground raves and things like that. It's always something that, I don't know, it, it's got its own whole set of memories that go with it for me. You know, it's kind of uh, this sort of exciting secret, if you like. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, people want connection. They want that um, connectivity. You know, they want, you know, it, it's, it's kind of ironic because even though technology has advanced and it's, it's, it's so cutting edge these days, the, the actual medium of the, of the dance party or the platform has been around for a really long time. You know? Tribal yeah. gatherings were happening well before uh, electricity was invented. You know, I mean, back in the... Uh, <laughs> The, the ancient um, uh, Greece, you know, they were they were you know gathering at temples and taking psychedelics and you know dancing for days and this type of thing. So I think again, electronic music is just a response to what you know to human nature and and and, and humans' uh, innate desire to connect and love and, and have purpose and meaning in their life and. and yeah, I really like that comparison with sort of um, tribal elements and, you know, the kind of repetitive beats. Absolutely, <laughs> and, yeah. You can't beat a good four to the four, four, four beat. That, that's been happening way before, you know, we were able to uh, plug something in and make it much louder <laughs> the PA system. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to come to talking a little bit more about um, technology and how that's changed over time. Um, but before we do that, I just want to talk about genre 
and subgenre because it's something that gets pretty complicated at times in uh, in dance music. Yeah, so I just wondered if we can have a chat about you know why we have so many, and whether you think we need them all, and why. Yeah, I mean genres are an interesting thing because you know I think at the beginning it was house, techno, trance, drum and bass, dubstep. That was it. You know, those were the, the main genres of, of electronic music. Yeah. Oh, breakbeat. Um, breakbeat, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you want to go back before all of that, yeah, exactly. What was the King Tubby? What was he kind of like uh, that Jamaican sort of dance hall music? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, it'll come, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, now you've got kind of subsets of, of just, if you take techno, which is, you know, I guess. Um, You've got progressive techno, you've got uh, minimal techno, you've got uh, melodic techno, you've got hardcore techno, industrial techno. And I think it's just, again, the evolution of uh, the scene and how various forms of music have converged. It's really a convergence phenomenon, isn't it? And, you know, when, when, when acid meets house, you get acid house. You know, when progressive meets techno, you get progressive techno. Um, mm-hmm. When there's a melody added to minimal techno, voila, you know, melodic techno. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it's something that's happened, I think, progressively, but also kind of naturally um, over the years. And I love it. I, I think it's, it's really um, important to constantly be, you know, pushing uh, the boundaries of the music. And, you know, on the top of, uh, topic of technology, I mean, we're only limited um, by the boundaries of our imagination. And again, technology is just the tools that we use, you know, to, to try and get to those, those boundaries and beyond. And yeah. I think genres and subgenres and, and sub-subgenres uh, are, are a result of, you know, pushing those boundaries and that convergence. I just think as well, they, you know, yeah, they, they, we have to have a language to talk about what we do. And when we listen to all these influences all the time, there's a greater familiarity, isn't there, with um, with all of these uh, styles. So, yeah, you need that nuance in being able to talk about what you do. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Having said that, a friend, uh, a DJ friend uh, once said to me, and I think this is very true, there's really only two types of music, good, t- good music and bad music. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, um, technology then. Technology. What? Um, well, let's start with with you right now about your music production. Like, you know, what what programs do you use at the moment? Um, you've you've already described a little bit about your style, but if you could give us a little bit more around that. Yeah. Sure. So. When I first started DJing, I mean, I, I essentially went direct to digital. Um, I wasn't one of these type of people um, that, you know, involved in records or, or, or CDs. I just I bought a, a Mac and I started making music on my Mac using a program called Ableton. Um, Ableton is an amazing program. It's made by a German software company called Ableton. Um, and I had just my computer and a little MIDI controller and that was it. Um, and now my, my DJ setup hasn't really evolved that much, but now I have a Mac, uh, Ableton Live 10. I have um, a Korg uh, Nano uh, MIDI controller and okay. 
I use Native Instruments Micro Machine. Um, I have Native Instruments um, uh, audio uh, interface as well, which I use. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I guess my, my setup, my, my DJ rig is, is perhaps a, a, a tiny little microcosm of the evolution of how, uh, you know, electronic uh, music is, 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 has, is played today now in a live form. Um, yeah. It's, it's evolved a lot, and the technology has really you know, pushed uh, forward uh, not only you know the styles and the genres that we were talking about, but just the actual sounds themselves have evolved so much. It's just yeah. you know what some artists are doing today with the technology. Um, on the production front, um, I use Ableton Live 10 also for production, and I'm mainly in the box, which means most of my production happens. Uh, using software. Um, I use a lot of BSTs like uh, Serum, um, Diva, a lot of UHA uh, BSTs, uh, Waves, and uh, a lot of yep. native instrument BSTs, and sorry if I'm getting a little too technical for you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, it might be for some people, but no. I'm yeah, it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, essentially, I use uh, mainly software now to make music as opposed to out of the box, which is using Okay. You said um, a, a while back. You said you liked hip hop as well. Like, have you ever used Ableton Scratch when you've, uh, you know, when you played? I have not. Uh, I'm familiar with the product. I do love hip hop. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a lot of respect for, for Scratch DJs. They're amazing. I think they're artists in themselves, but it's just not <laughs> something that I'm very good at. Um, and I, I, I'm much more a listener and a fan of that product than I use it. <laughs> Doesn't really sound great over prog techno either, does it? <laughs> it's not really those two things, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody can make it sound good, but probably not me. Yeah, probably not me either. I've never. I mean, I did. I had a go at scratching, but no. <laughs> the baby uh, scratch. Probably sure. where I'm. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if there's any aspiring producers out there, I highly recommend them to check out Ableton. It's just an amazing yeah. program. That's really all you need to start making music. It's just yeah. the bees knees, and a lot of uh, the DJs of today are using it for production. Um, there's there's really two main uh, digital audio workstations that are used today. It's, it's Ableton and um, uh, Logic, which is made by uh, Apple. Yeah. And Pretty Loops is also pretty popular. I mean, there's others. There's Cubase as well, but uh, I'd say the majority of producers use Ableton. Yeah, is Ableton a bit more um, intuitive than Cubase? Because I, I, I very early on in my DJing career had um, production like. Um, I, I got taught to produce using Cubase, and, and I remember virtually nothing of those classes. <laughs> <laughs> you and I would have gotten along well in class, I'm sure, sitting in the back, not listening, having a great time. <laughs> I mean, I tried, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cubase, I mean, all of the all of the, the DAWs in their latest iterations are amazing. I'm not a Cubase expert, uh, but um, I've heard the latest version of Cubase is, is really a different level. Um, a lot of really amazing professional producers use Fruity Loops, which used to be kind of considered, you know, the, the kids' sort of program yes. for making music. But, you know, there's, there's some legitimately awesome producers that use that now exclusively. 
So I, I think, again, the technology uh, has evolved now to the point where every DAW that is um, you know, used by professional producers in 2020 is extremely cutting edge and, 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 and very powerful and, and uh, it makes some amazing sense. It's kind of like, um, I think Roger Waters said this in uh, Pink Floyd's documentary, Pompeii. He said, you know, a lot of people think that the, the, the machines control us, but it's not true. You know, we control the machines, and, and the machines are simply tools. And, and, and again, they're, they're a medium uh, for creation. And um, you know, the, the, the music and, and, and the technology are, are you know, um, in parallel. And they're, they're both evolving kind of at, at an exponential rate, which is extremely exciting and motivating yeah. to see. It, you know, it is, yeah, definitely. No, I, you know, I, when I was thinking about this episode and talking to you, um, I just thought back to the days when I would cart my record bag up the hill um, to where I was playing with like barely like a quarter of my music collection in that bag and it would be so heavy. Um, and then fast forward to now where it's like I can literally take not only the tracks but the actual hardware that I'm going to play on. <laughs> <laughs> and that move from analog to digital was massive for me. Um, I just wondered if, I mean, obviously you said you started with a Mac and um, the software. I wondered though if you um, have seen a kind of like change in the way that people actually DJ or a change in the way that the software has impacted production. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of DJs today, uh, especially in the techno scene, uh, will, will DJ on the, the latest version of the CDJ, and you know, they, they show up at USB, and uh, they, they play these amazing sets just you know on on the, uh, the CDJs. And I think that's seems like recently that's that's certainly the way um, the scene has has, has evolved and, and evolving toward. Um, call me old school. I still use a laptop to DJ. I, I love it because you know it, it's it's very versatile, and you can do a lot of interesting things with effects and um, dropping in samples and dropping in stems and you know multi layering tracks and uh, doing sidechain compression and, and EQing certain sounds and stuff like things. So for me personally, it's exciting to have the the flexibility and the interoperability of of using a computer to, to mix live uh, with the music. Um, but there's all sorts of ways to achieve a, you know, the, the same goal, which is create a, a, an amazing live experience for the audience. I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, playing live and using technology to, to, to make or play music is all about you know, just making sure that the audience is having a good time and, and being uplifted and being taken away to a new place or a special place and you know, taking them on that journey. Just making sure that you know whatever is going on in their life today, that they you know they have that ninety minutes um, of, of you know kind of experience away from all of that. Yeah, yeah, I love that idea. Well, hopefully, we'll come to a point where we can have live events with you know quite a few people in a room together again. Because I think you know that experience of uh, as a DJ watching people and, and kind of reading the room is so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's just, as wonderful as Zoom is in terms of like keeping everyone going. Um, yeah, just having that kind of feedback, I imagine, is is something that, that a lot of DJs are missing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, this year I've done all my DJ sets on Facebook. Um, yeah. You can, you can check them out, facebook.com slash MikeArm15, um, or you can listen to my YouTube sets on uh, youtube.com slash user slash model citizens with an S, plural. Um, and that, that's been great, um, but you're right, you know, there's no substitute for live music and having people gather and, and, and you know, can't, can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's going to be one hell of a party, isn't it? It really is. It's going to be party of the year. It's going to be like Prince, party like, party like it's 1999. <laughs> Hopefully it's not going to be 20, uh, 2099. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's 2021. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So I will share the links to the um, to your Facebook and YouTube as well. Um, are there any tracks that you um, have out that you're promoting at the moment? Uh, not right now. Um, just check out my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to, to my YouTube channel. It's uh, Model Citizens um, on YouTube. And um, please check out my music. Please like and, com uh, like and comment my tracks if, if, you, if you like them. Uh, feel free to share with your friends. And I'm hoping to uh, drop some new music on Spotify later this year or next year. Eagerly await that. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. Thank you, Danny. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, really great to see you again, and, and I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. A massive thanks to Model Citizen there over in Bangkok. You can check out his tracks further on YouTube. We're going to lead out today with an original track produced by Model Citizen, so I hope you enjoy it. Thank you and see you next time.